Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Isaiah chapter 10 and Zechariah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 10 and Zechariah chapter 4. It's very simple to find. Isaiah chapter 10 is right after Isaiah chapter 9. And Zechariah chapter 4 is right after Zechariah chapter 3. Find that and you'll be okay. Amen. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. Zechariah chapter 4. And verses 6 and 7. And it shall come to pass, that's Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And then in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. Our precious Heavenly Father, we give thanks unto you for your holy written word, thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We also thank you for the anointing upon your word and upon our ears to hear accurately, our hearts to receive and minds to be open. Thank you, dear Father, for the anointing to bring forth the word and demonstration of your spirit and power, that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for each and every one to receive revelation knowledge this night of all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to repeat or to reiterate a few things we've discussed in actually throughout the first part of the year, the latter part of last year and the first part of this year, concerning the move of God upon the earth at the hour in which we live. Because, you see, I strongly believe that restoration has already begun within the body of Christ. I believe that God is moving by His Spirit upon the lives of those who are willing and who have willing hearts so that he could make necessary adjustments and changes that need to be made so that the church can be elevated to a more glorious state of being. Why? 
because Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. Can you say amen? Well, we talked about the fact that Zerubbabel was instructed along with Joshua to rebuild Judah and to restore the holy temple of God's habitation upon the earth. We stated the fact that because of much opposition, much opposition, the work of the Lord was delayed for about 16 years. Why? Not because the devil is bigger than God. Because oftentimes when we confront or are confronted with satanic opposition, many become frustrated and discouraged. And they have the attitude that we just are not going to make it. Especially when it comes to those who are in leadership like these men of God. Well, I can't get the people to cooperate with me, and we just can't seem to get the work done. So a spirit of apathy comes upon those who are in leadership, and they just become disinterested and doing things exactly the way God would have those things to be done. And as they did back then, they began to build their own houses, costly houses, and more or less just go on, but you see, they go on doing their own thing. But the Bible says that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. And you see, we see that happening today also. Many are much involved, I mean those in leadership, in building their own houses, building their own ministries, doing the things the way that they would have things to be done. And consequently, they have become disinterested in what God is saying by His Spirit. What God wants done by His Spirit. And we've said that God is speaking to us by His Spirit and He is saying that I want restoration to take place within the body. I want my house to be what I have intended for it to be. And I want my people to be actively involved in doing the things that I would have them to do specifically in their own personal lives and ministries. Well, the same spirit of apathy that was upon those in leadership came also upon the people. And the people lost the vision of the work of God. And they got caught up in doing their own thing. And once again, it wasn't that the mountain was so big. It was because they lacked vision. Something similar to Joshua and Caleb and the children of Israel when they were in Kadesh Barnea and they spied out the land. I call those 12 spies the 12 board members. Ten of those board members had an evil report of unbelief. But the other two had a report of faith. But you see, two board members are not enough to get the other ten board members to agree with the plan of God. And because they couldn't do that, that's Joshua and Caleb could not do that, we found out that even though they had great faith and they got into the promised land and, you know, themselves they enjoyed the blessings, their great faith was not enough to cause unity among the body of people who were there. And I found out in the New Testament that the Bible says that the fivefold ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. But you see, he couldn't get them into the unity of the faith. Joshua couldn't. Caleb couldn't. And consequently, the work of the Lord suffered. There was a setback for many years. God didn't intend for them to be in the wilderness for all those years. 
That was a result of, of their disobedience. Amen. It was a result of their lack of commitment and consecration because of their lack of vision. And when there is no vision, the people what? They perish. And that's exactly what they did. They perished in the wilderness. Well, God began to move by His Spirit upon these leaders. And through prophetic utterance, they were told that it's not going to be done by the power or the might of human strength. The work of restoration will not take place through natural talents and abilities. The work of restoring the temple, and in today's language, the work of restoring the temple of God, which we are upon the earth to its rightful state of being, its rightful state of glory, is not going to be wrought by men who have great oratorical skills. It is not going to be wrought by those who have great talents and abilities upon musical instruments. It is going to be wrought by those who have been ordained, anointed, appointed, and called of the Most High God to stand in respective offices of ministry, who dare bring the vision of God to the people of God, who dare break through the walls and the traditions that bind the hearts and the minds of God's people and pull down those strongholds so that the people of God can catch the vision of God and go with the flow of the Spirit of God and the mountains of satanic adversity will come down and all that has been rooted up in denominationalism and all those things will be uprooted and lives and hearts of people will be changed. There'll be unity of the faith and the body of Christ. We'll all have one purpose of heart, one purpose of mind, and together we will take the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by the power nor the might of human strength, but how? But by the power of my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So we'll entitle our message this evening, By My Spirit, Saith the Lord. Well, we found out and discovered that the yoke of bondage was removed. It was destroyed. The mountain was removed. And the work of the Lord, although delayed, finally did get done. Now, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 we'll discover that after the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we, the church, the individual and collective church, became the temple of God. How many of you recognize that and realize that? That God no longer dwells in earth-made buildings. He does not indwell the earth-made holies of holies any longer. But the Bible says that we have now become the temple of the living God, individually and, of course, collectively. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And if you read right on down through there to verse 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So, in other words, in the beginning, we see that God did indwell earth-made temples or buildings. And that's why these men were instructed to build Him a place of habitation. But today, in the New Testament, we individually and collectively have become the temple of God. God's mobile home unit here upon the earth, if you will. 
Amen. And everywhere we go, God is with us, God is in us, and God is for us. Something too few of us have recognized, and that is the very fact that after we have been born again, become child of God, that God Himself, in the person of the Holy Ghost, has come to make His abode within us. He has come to abide within us, to stay within us forever. Amen. Jesus said, oh, He'll give you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth, that He may abide with you forever. So you see, we have become God's temple here upon this earth. We have become God's dwelling place upon this earth. We are His mobile home unit here upon this earth. And everywhere we go, He goes with us. Amen. Well, we went on to say also that at the particular time of which we speak, the church's inception, that the temple of God was a temple of purity. It was also a temple of prayer. It was also a temple of power. It was also a temple of perfected praise. And because it was a temple of purity, because it was a temple of prayer, and because it was a temple of power and perfected praise, it was also a temple of persecution. Many, many were persecuted because of the stand that they took for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they had the power of God demonstrated through their lives, because they had the glory of God in demonstration in their lives and through their ministries, they were the subject of much, the object of much persecution. They were a persecuted church. But I want to emphasize the fact that once again, they were a house of purity. They were a house of prayer. They were a pure people. They had heart desires and attitudes and motives that aligned with the heart attitudes and motives and desires of the Most High God. They were not concerned about building their own buildings. They were not concerned about doing their own things. They weren't even concerned about their own possessions. They were concerned about being possessed with the Spirit of God. They were concerned about having the anointing fire of God's Spirit mightily in demonstration in their lives so that they can and would carry out the plan, the purpose, and the will of God, whether it be individually or in public ministry, working together as a collective body. They were concerned about giving birth to the plan of God, about causing people to be born again to the family of God, causing people to be delivered by the power of the Most High God, causing people to be healed by the power of the living God, causing people to enter into the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for their lives and educating and training them in the things of the Spirit of God. That's what consumed them. That was a consuming desire within them that the will, the plan, the purpose of God be done in their lives and through their lives. That's what they were concerned about. And yes, they also had much opposition. They had mountains of satanic adversity that would face them in everyday life. But you see, their attitude was different in the very beginning. Even though they had much opposition in the very beginning, they had a different attitude about them. They had a spirit of unity about them. They had a spirit of faith about them. And the anointing of God rested so mightily upon them that when they were confronted with this satanic opposition... They did not allow a spirit of apathy to come upon them. But what they did do was begin to lift up their voice unto God in one accord. And they said, Lord, Thou art God. You made the heaven. You made the earth. You made the sea. And all that are in them is. Who by the mouth of Thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Of the truth against Thy holy child Jesus along with the, the, the Gentiles and the Jews, all of them together, gathered together for to do whatsoever thy counsel determined for to be done. 
And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Yes, we've met opposition. They're threatening us. They don't want us to carry out your work. They don't want us to carry out your plan. They don't want us to fulfill your heart's desire upon this earth. Behold their threatenings. They've come against us to delay the work of God in building the temple of God so it becomes a vast temple here upon this earth, finding its lodging in the hearts of men and women all across the world. Behold their threatenings and grant unto us thy servants that with all boldness we may preach thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and so that signs and wonders are wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. That's Acts chapter 4. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 4. They had a different attitude about them. They had a different spirit about them. They would not become frustrated. They would not become discouraged. They would not become defeated. They would not allow a spirit of apathy to take hold in their lives. They would not lose the vision that God had given them. But they would stand firm against the onset of the enemy. They would lift up their voices unto the Most High God in their time of need. They were a church of purity, yes, but my goodness, they were also a church of prayer a temple of prayer. And they lifted up their voices unto God, yes, in one accord, not like those in the wilderness. Some murmured, many murmured, and many complained. You see, in the wilderness, the only ones that lifted up their voice to God in faith was Joshua and Caleb. And thank God they made it into the promised land. But they couldn't get the others to have the the same vision. They couldn't convince those board members that it was this way, this is the way of God, this is the way God wanted. See, they couldn't do that. They couldn't convince those men. So each of those men went back to their own tribes. They began to give them their own vision. What did they see? They saw giants in the land. They saw much opposition in their way. What did they see? We looked like grasshoppers in their sight. And each one told their respective tribe. They were the leaders of the tribes and they told their tribe. And said, that's how I see it. That's my vision. But Joshua and Caleb, they had the vision that came from God. And although it may have been true in the natural, they weren't looking at it in the natural, but they were looking at it in the eye of faith. And they saw it in the eye of faith and by the eye of faith. And they said, yes, there may be many out there. There may be more out there right now that, that, for in the natural. You know, that be with, but, that's with us. But in the supernatural realm, there's more to be with us than there be with them. And they said, we're well able to take the land because the Lord God is on our side. He is, a, a, as far as they were concerned, working with them, He is a majority when it comes to, to, to battle. And so they lifted up their voice in faith, but they couldn't get the other ten board members, you see, to go out there and talk to the people that they influenced in their tribes. It's the same way in the local church. Did you know that? We have board members. And thank God I can say that all of us who are on the board, praise God, we have the same vision. We have the same goals. We have the same heart attitudes, the same desires and motives. We want to see the captives be set free. We want to see liberty come to those who are bound in sin. We want to see the power of God working in great mighty demonstration, praise God, so that the the will, the plan, the purpose of God is wrought in the hearts and lives of people, not only spiritually, but emotionally and physically. Praise God. We want to see the work of God carried out the way God would have it to be and intended for it to be from the very beginning. But you see, that attitude didn't, didn't stay there. Stay in Acts chapter 4. But that attitude didn't stay there with them, you know, for a real long period of time. With these initial ones, yes. But as time went on, we began to see that through much opposition, through much persecution, through wrong heart attitudes and desires and motives of people, 
we begin to see that the church of God began to degenerate into no longer a house of purity and prayer and power and perfected praise, but what? It degenerated into a house of programs, social activity, entertainment, and religious form. We saw that take place. My goodness, all you have to do is look around and you can see it. Just look around. You can see it everywhere. You can see where people have wrong attitudes, motives, and desires when they gather together to worship the Most High God, even in Pentecostal and charismatic circles. My brother and sister, I'm sorry to say it, but it's so. That's the way it is. So many just want to do their own thing or they want it to be done the way they want it to be done. But you know what? God is saying by His Spirit, I'm not going to tolerate that any longer. It's time that it will be done the way I say it will be done. It is time that it will be done according to my specifications, according to the blueprints that I have drawn up for the ministries. And as I said, and I mean it with every department, every fiber of my being, it's my heart's desire, it's our heart's desire here that we utilize these 12 acres according to the blueprints of God, according to the plan of God, that we don't plant one flower where God doesn't want that flower to be planted, that we don't stretch out or launch out into any endeavor that God does not want us to launch out into. We want it to be done by the Spirit of God. Why? Because man cannot and will never be able to bring forth the plan, the purpose, and the will of God through natural talents and abilities. It will take the anointing of God. It will take the Spirit of God, the power of the Most High, to carry out and to fulfill the work of God upon the earth today. And you know, it doesn't matter whether we're born again or whether we're spirit-filled or, or born again just because we're born again in spirit-filled. That does, even if we're called to a, to a pastoric ministry or an evangelistic ministry or any fivefold ministry, it doesn't mean that we can go out there and just do what we want to do. It doesn't mean we can launch out and have this ministry or that ministry or this ministry and that ministry also. What matters is this. Did God tell us to do it? Did God speak to our hearts and say, that's an endeavor I want you to become involved in? You see, my brother and sister, if God does not speak to us through His Word or by His Spirit to tell us to do certain things, then He hasn't authorized our faith. And if He hasn't authorized our faith, He is not responsible to perfect our faith and to bring it to pass. That's why so many have launched out to, the own, to their own waters of life doing their own thing, even in ministry, doing their own thing, even with their own lives. And you see, they begin to sink. They can't have it funded. They can't fulfill the plan of God. Why? Or what their desire is. Why? Because, see, God didn't authorize it. God didn't state that they should do this or they should do that. Oh, my brother and sister, it's not by the power of the might of human strength. It's not by great oratorical skills. If God says do it, He'll fund it. If God says do it, He'll provide the way. If God said, do it, He'll perfect your faith. He'll perfect that which concerns you so that what He has instructed for you to do will be brought to pass. It will be accomplished in, in your life. Amen. And that's what God is looking for today. He's looking for a faithful people. He's looking for a consecrated people. He's looking for a diligent people. People who will not sway to the left nor to the right, but stay down the straight and narrow and say, this is the way you planned it. This is the way you want it. This is what I'm going to do, praise God. And I expect you to equip me and to anoint me. I'll be faithful. I'll do it, my Father God. But you just give me the equipment so we can do it together. For we are laborers together with Him. He is the one who has designed it all. And praise God, He's given us His Spirit that enables us to carry it out here upon this earth. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. So that's what our heart's desire is. Well, what happened to the church? It degenerated. Why? Because of all the opposition. Because of wrong heart attitudes, motives, and desires of men. It has degenerated. And I put most of the responsibility upon, and the blame upon those in leadership. Amen. Those in leadership. Why? Oh, my goodness, because there's just so many 
So many, and it's sad to say, but there are just so many wanting to do their own thing. So many wanting to do their own thing. They get frustrated. They get discouraged, and so they just want to do their own thing. My brother and sister, God doesn't want us to do our own thing. God wants us to do what He is doing. God wants us involved in what He wants us to do upon this earth. And when you take a pulpit, whether that pulpit is right here or that pulpit's out there on the street, you want to make sure that you're out there doing exactly what God would have you to do, what He has anointed you to do, what He has equipped you to do. Why? Because it's only the power of God's Spirit that's going to come against the opposition that you're going to face along the way. That's why. It's only the power of God's Spirit that will destroy the yoke of bondage that the enemy will bring your way. And see, if God's hand is not in it, He's not responsible to perfect it. Never forget that. My goodness. My goodness. Never forget it. Well, in, in, in Acts chapter 4 here, we see that the church, when they confronted opposition, they lifted up their voice to God. Their heart attitudes and motives and desires were pure before God. They became a house of prayer in verse 23. Being let go, they reported their own company. All the chief priest elders said unto them, they lift up their voice to one of God, one accord, with, to God with one accord, and said, "You made heaven, and earth, and all that." We just said that. And in verse thirty, when they finished their prayer, stretched forth thy hand to heal signs and wonders are wrought by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. When they prayed, everybody say prayed. prayed. You know, purity is the key to answered prayer. Did you know that? Two men went to the temple to pray. One was full of pride; the other one was full of humility. How, how many of you know that humility purifies the heart? One had heart attitudes, desires, and motives that were wrong when he prayed. But the other one, we said, his heart attitudes, motives, and desires were proper before God. Jesus said one went away praying with himself. But the other one, he prayed to God. God heard, and the man received his, his, his answer to prayer. These people had an attitude, motive, and a desire within their heart that was birth of God. They were pure before God. They were pure before the Most High. They were pure in their ideas. They were pure in their attitudes. They were pure in their motives. They were pure in wanting the will of God being birthed into the earth. And when they met the opposition because of the healing that took place at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord in prayer. And when they got finished praying their prayer unto God, I mean to tell you, they were so pure before God that they became powerful conductors and channels of the glory and the power of the Most High God. That the power of God was so mightily demonstrated in their midst, it shook the whole place where they were assembled together. And the power of God manifested itself in many different various ways among the people. Let's name a few. In the latter part of verse 31, it manifested itself in the ability to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that what the church of God should be? Shouldn't we be a temple of the word of God? Shouldn't we have the word hid within our hearts so that we sin not against him? Shouldn't the entrance of his word give us light so that we can give it to the world? Shouldn't the word of God be burning with inside our bones such a fire within us so that we've got to just give it out to people? Shouldn't we have a holy boldness just as a line about us so that we proclaim the truth and demonstration of His Spirit and of power? The Apostle Paul says, I've come to you in much fear, reverential, godly fear and trembling. 
and I'm ceasing not to hold back anything. I'm preaching Jesus Christ unto you and Him crucified that your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. And I'm doing it in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that's exactly how the Spirit of God manifested the anointing of God upon the lives of these people that together they began to speak the Word of God boldly throughout all the region round about. Secondly, it was a church that had the anointing upon them that caused the multitude, in verse 32, of them that believed to be of one heart and of one soul. We will never get the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be of one heart and one soul by any other means or by, by any other method. It has to be by the anointing of the Spirit of the living God. That's the only way we're going to do it, my brother and sister. That's why it is absolutely essential that we understand that it's by the Spirit of God that the work of God must be wrought among us. That's why we must understand that every child of God, everyone who is born again, should have the subsequent experience of being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues because it's going to be the anointing of God manifesting itself in the lives of people that will cause a multitude to come together of one heart, to be of one mind and one accord to fulfill the plan of God. Look at the next part of that verse. Neither said any of them that all of the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. The same anointing manifested itself in such a manner that the people had a spirit of giving, equality, sharing, and of love. They weren't concerned about their possessions. They had an attitude about them that they wanted to give to every person who came and join themselves up together with them and provide everything equal unto all men. What a beautiful, pure motive. What a pure heart that they have before God. And this is how the anointing of God manifested itself among them. Another way of the different various ways it, it manifested itself. Look at verse 33. And with great power. Everybody say great. Say great power. That is great supernatural ability. Great miracle working power was upon them to give witness of the Lord, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Great power. See, that means you can have power, but you can also have great power. And because they were joined together in unity, harmony, and in love, and their heart motives were pure before God, there was great power among them. There was great power resting upon them. There was great ability within their lives to give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God doesn't just want preachers out there preaching the gospel on the streets. I believe He wants every born-again child of God endued, endued with power from on high so that they can go as a living epistle of the living Christ known and read of all men and take unto all people that they come in contact with the good news of the gospel and give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ accurately according to God's holy word. It's not just for a select few. It's for everybody within the local body. And then the next part says, And great grace. Not only did they have great power, but great grace rested upon them. What's so important about the anointing manifesting itself? Great grace. Grace is not just God's unmerited favor. Grace is the operational power of God at work to cause the believer to be the protected one here upon this earth. We talk about the hand of God's grace. The umbrella protection of God's grace being upon people. Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, verse 2, 3, and 4, right through there, that grace and peace is multiplied through the, through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace, which is God's power of operation, can be multiplied in the life of the believer through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Cause people perish for the lack of knowledge. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. But because they lost the knowledge of God, but because they, they did, did not follow up and follow through with the plan, purpose, and the will of God through the knowledge of God, the grace of God was limited upon the people of today. But my brother and sister, it was upon these people in an 
unlimited way because they were a body or a temple of purity and prayer and power and perfected praise. And that's why the power of God rested upon them mightily and the grace of God was extended unto each and every one of them in such a way that there was a, an umbrella of protection around this whole church because of the purity that was represented within that local body. Amen. Great grace. Not just grace, but great grace. It's multiplied, not added to the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And that's what rested upon them. Not only did it manifest itself that way, but look at the next verse. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, lay them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. There was a channel whereby God could meet the needs of all of His people according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And also, that was also another manifestation of the anointing of God that rested upon the people of God. That's what He meant when He said, not by power, not by might, but by the power of the Spirit of God in the lives of people, these demonstrations and manifestations of the anointing would cause all these things to take place within local body ministry and the lives and the hearts of people. That doesn't stop there. There's not time, but if you read on chapter 5, you'll find out that that same anointing caused reverential fear to come upon all the people. See, the anointing does a lot of things. By the power of my spirit, by the anointing of my spirit, saith the Lord, it'll break the yoke of bondage. And through judgment, we saw reverential fear mightily demonstrated among the people of God. They had a deep reverence for the things of God because by the judgment of God, Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied unto the Holy Ghost. He's a God of, yes, forgiveness and, and mercy, but He's also a God of justice and judgment. And if we are disobedient, He's just as obligated to allow the curse to come upon us as He is to bless us for obedience. And we saw that happen here with these people. And you see, you can't lie to the Holy Ghost like that and get away with it. And judgment was carried out. They died before the Lord, and there was what? Great fear. I mean, there was reverential fear. Not just fear, my brother and sister. Great fear. I believe that we need to have great fear within the body of Christ today. There are so many that just disrespect the move of the Spirit of God. We've seen people walk out of church services when the power of God, the anointing of God was so mightily manifested. People just walk away just as if nothing was happening. My brother and my sister, you wouldn't find that in days gone by. You wouldn't find disrespect when it comes to the presence of God, of the anointing of God being, you know, among the people of God. But you would find the people of God bowing down and worshiping and, and magnifying the presence of the living God. But why is it that seemingly within so many circles, charismatic circles of the day, Pentecostal circles of the day, when it comes time for God to move by His Spirit, so many become uneasy? Is it because we have lost that purity of heart? Is it because we've lost that attitude of prayer? Is it because we're no longer acquainted with the power of God? Is it because we have failed to give perfected praise? You know, what is the cause of all this? Once again, opposition comes and so many bail out. Opposition comes and many get frustrated. Opposition comes and the leaders want to build their own houses instead of saying what thus saith the Lord upon the earth. But my brother and sister, revival is taking place. Restoration is coming to the body of Christ. I believe that God is restoring this church, the church, His church, back into a house of purity. 
back into a house of prayer and power and perfected praise. How? By the anointing of His Spirit. Walls are being brought down. Strongholds of the enemy are being torn down. And God is beginning to rebuild the walls and replant the Word within the hearts and the lives of His children. And I believe with every part of my being that those who are willing vessels unto God, vessels of honor, have opened themselves up to what God is doing and saying upon the earth at this hour. Revival is taking place within their hearts and their lives. Leaders are responding like never before. And they're having a boldness to proclaim the truth to the people of God. The people of God are catching a hold of the vision that God has given. And many with these willing hearts are entering in. And they are saying, we are tired of programming. We are tired of social activity. We no longer want entertainment. We don't want to be entertained. We no longer want to have a church of religious form where we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We believe we serve the living God, the mighty God, the all-powerful God, and it's time we have the demonstrations of God at work within our midst even now, as it was back when. For God has not changed. He is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. But you see... People have changed, but God has not changed. He is speaking that it's by His Spirit that walls are being brought down. It's by His Spirit that those are being Spirit-filled, speaking with other tongues, finding their place in the local body, taking their place as a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. It is by His Spirit that hard attitudes are being changed, motives are being changed, desires are being changed, and they're aligning with His it is by His Spirit that the mountains of adversity are being removed. It is by His Spirit that these strongholds and these yokes of bondage are being destroyed. It is by His Spirit that the temple of God is being rebuilt, restored to its rightful glorious state of being because of purity, because of prayer. It will become powerful and perfected in its praise. You see, my brother and sister, I can't do it with oratorical skills. The musicians, they cannot do it with singing ability. Because you could be the most developed individual when it comes to musical talents and abilities and begin to play and have no anointing whatsoever. Or you can just pick up a guitar with a few lessons and you can begin to strum that thing with the anointing of the Most High God and cause the anointing of God to come out of heaven and to rise up and fill the place with the glory cloud of God. God says it's not by the talents, it's not by the might of natural strength and ability. He said, but the work is wrought by the power of my Spirit. And He wants us to have restored within us a concise understanding of the manifestations of the Spirit. See, when we talk about spiritual gifts, and I'm not starting that, people just automatically go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. But my brother and sister... These are manifestations of the same anointing of God's Spirit that we have got to understand. And we've got to have birth among us at this hour right now. Because if you don't have this attitude among body ministry, forget the, manifest, the, the gifts of the Spirit because they won't be done inaccurately. They won't be channeled and used properly. Do you see that there in Acts chapter 4? That was the condition of the early church. That was their state of being. Purity, prayer, power, and all oh, perfected prayer. And as you read right on through chapter 5, and, and just look at verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many what? Signs and wonders. Notice they asked for signs and wonders. But they got more than signs and wonders. They got boldness to preach the Word. They got unity among the believers so that their hearts were united together as one. 
One heart, one mind, and that is a miracle in itself. Can you say amen to that? I mean, to get two people just to agree, that's a miracle in itself. Isn't that right? No wonder Jesus said, if two agree on this earth, touching anything else shall be done for them, because He knew how hard it was to get two to agree. Amen. Do you see that? It also manifested itself in a spirit of giving, sharing, and in love. It manifested itself also in, in reverential fear, judgment. And now, what they asked for, signs and wonders were wrought by the hands of the apostles, insomuch that they brought the sick into the street in the shadow of Peter, overshadowing them, caused many to get healed, delivered, made whole. All of them were set free by that anointing that began to flow out from them. My brother and sister, that's what God wants. That's what His desire is. That's what He wants us to become. This, this whole body, everybody, every local body upon the face of the earth, that's what He wants. He wants His work to be done. I mean to tell you, He does not want us to be entertained here. At least not with just programs and social activities like that. You want to get entertained? Amen. You want to be socially active? Start getting involved with the Spirit of God. And I want you to know something. You get so involved with the move of the Spirit of God, you'll have your hands full with entertainment. My goodness. You get so excited because of what God is doing in your life and through your life. You want to get active? Get involved with what the Spirit of God is doing upon the face of the earth. You'll have a lot of activity. I know how social it'll be. I know it'll be spiritual. You'll have a lot of activity in your life. You want a program? God's got a program. Someone down the street from you needs born again. Someone down the street from you needs spirit-filled. Someone needs healed, delivered, made whole, and set free. You want a program? God's got a program. He's got blueprints drawn up for everybody's life. He's got something that He wants you to do, you know, as a productive fruit-bearing branch in the vine. Amen. Glory to God. You want religion? God doesn't want us to have religion. He wants us to have power and reality, not religion. That's what God wants. Are you ready to take hold of what God wants? Are you ready to give birth to desires of God? Then we've got to have His attitudes and motives. Amen. We've got to be motivated by His compassion, by His love, and moved by His Spirit. And that's exactly what we'll have. Well, l let's look at Jeremiah 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 10. Quickly here. And then you're in Acts, so hold your place into Acts chapter 1. Find Acts chapter 1 because there's something I want to say. We've got to get this out at least this evening. But we will be talking about the Holy Ghost. And how God, by His Spirit, is causing revival to take place in the lives of people. And giving birth to His plans here upon this earth. Jeremiah chapter 1. When the Lord first spoke this to my heart, I viewed it as an enormous task. And I'll be quite frank with you. Almost felt like Jeremiah. Jeremiah was told that even though he'll put his words within his mouth, no one will hear. You ever been there? I said, have you ever been there? And if you don't watch out, you can become frustrated. If you don't watch out, you become discouraged. Just like Jeremiah did. But the Word was burning within his bones because of the anointing that was upon his life. You see, here's what he had to do. And this is what's going to take place here. In verse 10, See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. The first part of this must take place before the second part can take place. He says you've got to root out. You've got to pull down. You've got to overthrow and destroy 
overthrow and destroy what? What caused hard attitudes, desires, and motives to change? What caused the body of Christ, the church, the temple of God to become a house of programs and social activity, entertainment, and religious form? Well, whatever caused it is what's got to be pulled down. It's a stronghold of the enemy. What's caused it has got to be rooted out. See, God no longer dwells in earth-made holies of holies or temples that are made with man's hand. We're not working with brick, stone, and mortar. We are working with the heart attitudes, motives, and desires of people. There are just those who just don't want to go on in God. There are those who are complacent, who are satisfied. There are those who don't want to change with the Spirit of God. And they don't want to move out in God. You see, and so consequently they will hinder the work of God. Just like those in the wilderness, they couldn't see the vision. They couldn't catch that vision. So, of course, they didn't have the faith to carry it through. And because the leadership couldn't get them involved in seeing the vision of God, it, it caused the work of God to be delayed upon the earth. But God went on to say that my servant Caleb had another spirit with inside him. And truly as I live, saith the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. And I believe he was talking about there would be a time when there would be a people upon the face of the earth who would yield themselves unto God as vessels of honor, who would allow him by the consuming fire of his holiness to burn up the chaff inside their lives and burn out everything that was uh, self, selfish and self-willed and cause his plan to be birthed within them. So as Jesus said, they could say, not my will be done, but, but thine will be done. And then he would anoint them from on high with the power of his spirit put His Word mightily inside their hearts and in their mouths, and they would go forth and proclaim the truth of God's Word until that glory that was inside them got a hold of somebody else, and it would take place and take root inside them. And as it was rooted inside them, they would speak it out to somebody else. It would be rooted inside them, and the glory of God would begin to overtake all the earth as it made its, its lodging inside the hearts and the lives of individual people like you and me. And that's exactly what is happening right here and now upon the face of this earth, my brother and my sister. That's exactly what God is doing right now. Pulling down the strongholds of denominationalism. Pulling down the strongholds of doctrine. Pulling down the strongholds of things that bind and blind the minds of men. Even within the local body, the, the stronghold of religious form and all that stuff. And those who desire so much entertainment and social activity. My brother and sister, God is not a social God. He's a spiritual God. And He's looking for a people that want spiritual things in their lives. He's looking for spirituality among the church. He doesn't want us to be a carnal people any longer. He wants us to be a spiritual people filled with and full of the glory of His power and of His might. Consumed, you see, with His desires. And He is moving upon the face of the earth by His Spirit looking for those. He's spying out His own land. He wants to bring healing first to the land of the Christian so that we can rise up in demonstration of His power and pull down all these strongholds and cause the mountains to become a plain. How will it be done? By the power of His Spirit. Oh, by the power of His Spirit. If he can get a hold of one person, my brother and sister, to be done by the power of his Spirit. If that person would yield himself or herself to be a vessel of God, empty of self and filled with and full of God, then it will flow out from that person. It will get a hold of somebody else. That's why I say to every board member, you are that person. You go to your tribe. What do you mean by tribe? The people you associate with within the assembly. Go to your tribe. You tell them what the vision is. You hear them talking differently. You, talk to, you, you, you reprove them according to the Word of God. And say, we've got to speak the same thing in this place, my brother and sister. And let it go from one leader to the other leader to the other leader to the other leader to the other leader. And then the whole body will be speaking the same thing. We become a unified body filled with and full of the glory of the power of God with one purpose and one heart attitude in mind. And that's to do what? To give birth to God's will, God's plan, God's purpose. We don't want entertained. We don't want religious form. We want reality.
How will it be done? By the power of His Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. Here we have the temple of God in its inception upon the earth after the resurrection and now we see the ascension about to take place. Oh, would to God we had a platform that we could reach the world with this truth. If you've been born again, my brother and sister, it's enough to get you into heaven, but it's not enough to get you by on this earth. I said if you've been born again, it's enough to get you into heaven, but it's not enough to get the work of God done in this earth. Because you see... The opposition that we face will not be overcome through physical abilities or physical powers. The opposition that we face will not be overcome by emotional powers. But the opposition that we face in everyday life as born-again believers, the opposition that we face that would have us to become frustrated in doing the work of God, the mountain of satanic adversity that's placed before us in endeavoring to keep us from fulfilling the plan of God can only be overcome by spiritual powers. We do not overcome spiritual powers with emotional powers. We do not win spiritual battles using physical or natural powers. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down these strongholds. We must have in our midst an increase of the, of, of the power and the glory of our God so that we can overcome spiritual opposition with greater spiritual powers. And how many of you know that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world? And that's why Jesus told these people, His, his followers, His disciples here, in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In verse 8, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. What was He saying? You're not going to witness for Me. You're not going to fulfill the work of God. You're not going to fulfill the plan of God or give birth to the things of God upon this earth, whether it's in Judea, Samaria, or the uttermost part of the earth, with human abilities and natural talents. You're going to do it by the power of My Spirit. So wait until you're endued with power from on high, because it's by the anointing of My Spirit, saith the Lord, that you will be the temple that I want you to be to carry out the will of the Father. That word power is dunamis or dunamis, whichever way you want to say it. It means miracle working power. It means the power of God's might. It means the ability of God, the strength of God, the miracle working power of God. Any way you want to say it, it is an inherent power placed with inside the believer that is capable of reproducing the energy of God through the believer's life. You know what a generator is? Do you know what a generator does? It changes mechanical power into electrical power. Well, this is exactly what God was saying, only in, different, in a different way. He was saying, I am going to give you my spirit. He will be like a generator inside you that will cause or change natural power. It will cause natural human power to be changed into supernatural or superhuman power. It will cause natural abilities to be enhanced with supernatural abilities. It'll cause the wisdom of man to be enhanced with the supernatural wisdom of the living God. It'll cause natural abilities to be changed into supernatural abilities. That's what he was saying. Power from on high. So that the work that you must do upon the earth will be done 
not by the power of human strength, but by the supernatural power of my spirit, saith the Lord. I don't think we've ever viewed it that way before. You have within you, I have within me, we who have been spirit-filled have within us the generating power of the Holy Ghost. At any time, through praying with other tongues, you can change, you can change natural power into supernatural power. Why do you think you should pray in tongues before you pray for the sick? Why do you think you should pray in tongues before you preach the message? Why do you think you should pray in the Holy Ghost before you go out there and witness? Because when you do, a supernatural something takes place. Natural power is changed into supernatural power and you begin to open up your mouth and God's anointing resting upon you causes you to be a, a spiritual dynamo. And you begin to just fluently speak the mind of God and the will of God and words begin to flow out from your mouth that begin to pierce the very hearts of people and conviction comes upon them and they see their need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Or words will flow out of your mouth endued with the power from on high that will cause people's hearts and ears to be opened up to the healing power of God. It will flow out of you. It will be generated in you and flow out from you. Rivers of love, rivers of life, rivers of power, rivers of wisdom, rivers of ability, rivers of healing will flow out from you because it's generated in you as you pray in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up, charging yourself up on the Holy Ghost, on your most holy, precious faith, in the Holy Ghost, speaking in the Holy Ghost, and then flow out from you. It'll take healing to a lost and dying world. It'll bind up the brokenhearted. The anointing will break the yoke of bondage. The captives will be set free. How will it be wrought and done? By the power of my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by power of might of human strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And we'll begin tonight. This is just an introduction. Next week, we'll continue talking about, by my spirit, saith the Lord, the ministry of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer, bringing forth like a dynamo the supernatural power and ability of God that it manifests itself, that is the anointing, in various different ways in individual lives and among the people of body ministry. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.